The Productive Woman, Episode 406. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome and thank you for joining me. This week, I'm going to share some of my favorite productivity advice and tools. You'll find links and additional information in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 406. So somebody asked me recently, basically, what, what is the most important advice or concept that I would share about productivity? And it got me thinking about all the things I've learned over the years of being kind of a, a productivity nerd. As I've, I've shared before, I've, I've been interested in time management, organization, and all those sorts of things, at least since middle school. And I've learned a lot of stuff over the years and, and tried a lot of different things. And, and this question that someone was asking me kind of got me thinking about all of that. And, and part of the question was kind of, if I, if I had to boil it down to just the essentials, what would that be? And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, I'm, I'm not sure I could say what's most important. I don't know if I could categorize things that way. But there are certain key concepts or, or bits of advice that help me in making my life as productive and meaningful as I want it to be. And so I thought I'd share some of those. And so I'm going to share kind of two categories, uh, some of my favorite productivity advice. And by favorite, I mean things that I turn to that, that are a resource or, or, or meaningful for me in, in making my own productive life. And then I'll also share a few of the productivity tools that are among my favorite. So starting with some of my favorite productivity advice, some of this will not be new to you. Maybe most of it won't be new to you. I've talked about it before. And certainly number one, I've talked about more than once if I had to, uh, could only give one piece of advice to someone about making a productive life, it would probably be this one. And that's write things down, not trying to carry things around in your head. And there's all sorts of reasons why uh, writing things down helps me and can probably help you to be more productive. Uh, but how I implement it is, uh, really writing down lots of stuff, uh, for instance, appointments or meetings, uh, anything that is a uh, day and time specific goes into my calendar the minute I know about it. And I put all the pertinent information in there. And I use, as I'll talk about it a little later, I use a digital calendar. And so I can put into the calendar entry the phone number or the Zoom link if it's a meeting. I can put the address and the phone number if I'm meeting someone somewhere, the name of the person I'm meeting. I try to make the calendar entry pretty specific and pretty information rich so that 
Uh, I'm not guessing what what this appointment is for, where it's supposed to be, what I need to do to prepare for it. And so I put all of that into the calendar entry. As I've said before, if I am, say, doing a conference call or a Zoom meeting to discuss a particular document, say this is for my legal career, um, I'll attach that document often to the calendar invite itself so that when I open up the calendar entry, everything I need for that meeting is right there. So that's one thing that I always write down. I don't try to remember because I won't remember. I learned that a long time ago. I can't keep track of stuff. And the best way to to miss an important appointment is to not write it down, for me anyway. In addition to appointments, I write down ideas that I have, whether it's an idea for a podcast episode or an idea for something I want to do for the house or for my family or with my family. I have a place where I capture those ideas and certainly tasks and projects that I am working on or want to work on. Those things get written down and including, you know, if a project may have a page where I'm listing, you know, everything, uh, every bit of equipment or supplies that I might need for that task or people I need to talk to or need to be involved in it. Uh, I write all that stuff down rather than trying to carry it around in my head. Why is this a favorite, if not the favorite of a piece of productivity advice for me? Well, for me, this one is a foundational habit that keeps me organized, that gets me where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there. It gets things done that need to be done. It helps me remember what needs to be done. Or, you know, if I'm going to the store, I have a list and it's that when I say write things down, I don't necessarily mean with, you know, on a piece of paper, but capturing it, getting it out of my head and into a a resource that I can consult later that will help me remember it. So when I go to the store, I have a list in the the notes app in my phone uh, and you know, we, Mike and I share that. So whoever's going to the grocery store has the list of everything. So I'm not wandering around the store trying to remember why I'm there. And maybe that's not an issue for you, but it has been an issue for me in the past. So writing things down is really important. And, and, and this uh, piece of advice, this, uh, has become sort of the foundational habit for me that keeps me organized and productive in the way that I want to be. In addition, it saves mental energy because I'm not wasting any sort of brain power to try to remember things. It's all captured somewhere where I can get to it whenever I want it. And I can use my mental energy and my brain power for other things, more creative thinking, problem solving, and all that sort of thing. So this really is a a crucial habit, a crucial piece of advice that when I read it years ago, it became a, a part of my, I don't know, part of my life, part of my productivity um, world, I guess. And I recommend that one to everybody. Uh, The second favorite piece, and I don't mean second in value, but just the second one that I wrote down, piece of productivity advice that is a favorite of mine has to do with when we're trying to organize our physical space. And this is a very basic concept, but 
it's an important one. And that is when you're organizing physical space, store like things to, together, things that, you know, are the same sort of thing together and put things you use the most often in the most accessible spots. This came up recently when I was asked for some advice on organizing food in a kitchen that had has no actual pantry. So in my home, I've got a, an actual pantry with shelves where all, all our food goes, but I was at someone's home where they don't have a pantry. And so they were trying to figure out how to organize their kitchen cupboards in an effective and efficient way. And this was the advice I gave them. There's, there's no rule about where things need to go or how to organize things, but there are these concepts that is to put things that go together in the same place. And the second piece of that is to put the things that you reach for the most often in the most accessible spots. And this is true in any space that you're organizing. And so how I implement it is when I go into a space in my own home or anywhere else that need, that I need to organize the stuff that's in that space, you stop for a minute and you think about what, what am I going to do in this space? And what will I reach for most often while I'm doing it? And so you allocate the easiest to reach space to those things that you're going to reach for the most often if you can. And it depends on the space and the room. And sometimes we can't have, you know, things in the optimal location. But that concept or that principle of putting the things you you reach for the most often into the um, easiest to reach space really makes a difference. Similarly, the, the other piece of this advice is to put similar things together. So for instance, you know, I was trying to think of what are examples. In a kitchen, you put all the sauce mixes together, all your spices together, your pastas together. You're, if you're a tea drinker, put all your, your teas in the same place. So that's a way of organizing the food. Uh, similarly, with the equipment in your kitchen, maybe put all the things you use for baking in one area. So your baking pans, your mixing bowls, the spatulas or stirring spoons, the other pieces of equipment or tools that you use for baking all in one place, uh, all your coffee making things in one place. Uh, examples of this principle in your office, your home office or wherever, you might put all your bill paying supplies together. So your checkbook, stamps if you're mailing things, um, your list of accounts if you're doing it online. Uh, maybe you put all your printer or computer supplies in one location, put them together. And again, the things that you reach for the most often are are in the most convenient space. In my bathroom, for instance, I have several drawers uh, in my bathroom vanity. And so I have all the skincare products in one drawer and makeup in another drawer. So that's the concept. It, it applies everywhere, but it's a huge benefit to applying this advice that is storing like things together and putting the things you use most often in the most accessible spots. Why this is a favorite piece of advice for me 
is it makes my space work better for me. It allows me to be more efficient. So that's one thing. It also helps me know what I have so I don't end up overbuying. One kitchen I was looking at, I, the reason teas were on the my list of in the example above is they had several boxes and bags of different kinds of tea in various places. And there were duplicates because they'd forgotten what they had. If you have similar things together, you know what you have, or it's easier to know what you have, and you don't end up buying, again, another wooden spoon because you, you didn't realize you have four of them in different places or whatever it is. It also helps you find things when you need them. If you've put all the similar things or things that, that kind of go together, that you use together, all together and in the same place, you're going to know where they are and you're going to have an easier time finding what you need. You're going to find that wooden spoon or that, you know, back, uh, roll of stamps when you need it and you don't have to go out and get another one. The third piece of advice that's, I guess, one of my favorites is this concept of intentionally creating and then ruthlessly protecting white space in your life. And what I mean by that, I, I looked up the definition of white space. It's It comes kind of from the graphic design world, as best I can tell. And one definition of it was, uh, or is the areas of a page without print or pictures. So when you look at a magazine or a, in a book or even on a website, the areas where there's no print and no photographs or images, that's the white space. And it is a, a, a principle or requirement, I guess, of good design uh, to include white space. It gives the eye a place to rest and it helps to focus attention on what's most important and it makes the content more legible. And so that's the idea of white space and then where it came from, but it's also valuable in other areas of our life. And so in productivity terms, white space is empty space in your physical surroundings or in your calendar. And, um, it's important for all the same reasons that it's important in graphic design. Uh, so how we implement that, for instance, in your physical space is consider not filling every shelf, every cupboard, every countertop, even every wall on your home. The more, uh, white space you leave, that is space where stuff is not, um, it creates a more restful environment. It allows us to rest, our minds to rest, because the, it reduces the amount of visual stimuli that we're having to deal with. And it also creates more emphasis on the things that it surrounds. So when you have, for instance, a shelf that's full of knickknacks, none of them really is very important. Our eye doesn't know where to look. And so it kind of glazes over all of it. But if you have a shelf with nothing on it, but one beautiful piece of sculptural art or one beautiful vase with flowers in it, or same thing with a wall, you can have a wall that's covered with photos. And I love a good gallery wall. Those, that's, you know, they, those can be really neat but you still want to leave some space in between them to give your eye something to uh, a place to rest. On the other hand, when you have tons and tons of things on a wall, nothing is as important. 
Whereas if you have a a wall with just one beautiful painting, for instance, it emphasizes it and gives it more value and creates more importance for it. Same thing applies in our schedule, leaving uh, white space in our schedule or on our calendar. There is great value in leaving gaps in our calendar where time that's not committed to any particular activity. So for instance, trying to avoid scheduling calls or meetings back to back, leaving space in between them. It does some great things for us in terms of our productivity. It allows time to prepare for the next thing or recover from the one that just ended. It allows time for reflection, for rest, and for processing information. And it helps avoid burnout and reduce stress. If we haven't filled every moment of every day with activities, with structured activities, I think it's very important to you know, to calendar things and to uh, be involved in the world and to do things. And we all have appointments and meetings and, you know, whether it's dinner with friends or an important meeting with our boss, we all have those things to do. But to the extent we can, and I think most of us can to a greater extent than we really uh, acknowledge, we should leave some space in our days that is not full of activity for all the reasons that I just talked about. So the advice here is to intentionally create white space and then ruthlessly protect it. Don't let it get filled up, whether it's space in your home or space in your schedule. When you have intentionally created those pockets of time when you're not committed to an activity, protect those times and don't let them get filled up with with other stuff. The fourth piece of advice that uh, has been really valuable to me in terms of my own productivity is cultivate awareness and be intentional about your life. And what do I mean by that? I mean, first of all, awareness, know yourself, be aware of what matters to you, and what doesn't. Be aware of your own strengths and weaknesses. Pay attention to your body's signals and to um, your mind and your, your thoughts and your emotions. Know yourself. Be aware of those things. And in addition to that, be aware of how you're spending your time and make intentional choices rather than just moving mindlessly through your life reacting to things. That was me in the past. I have had times where I was just kind of going through the day, not really thinking about um, intentionally planning my days, but, but just reacting to things that were happening in the world. It's easier to be productive in a meaningful sense if you are aware of what you're doing with your time and choosing intentionally what to do with it. Uh, based on what matters most to you and your own strengths and weaknesses and all of those things. So awareness and intentionality are key components of a truly productive and meaningfully productive life. And the things that I learned about cultivating awareness and being intentional have really made a difference for me. And so one of the ways that I try to implement that and I don't do it perfectly every day. I have days where I'm just, you know, frantically trying to get stuff done and reacting to the the needs of other people without 
any sort of awareness or intentionality at all. But when I can, when I can take a step back, I, I, I implement this advice by trying to build in times in my, if not the day, in my week at least, to pause and ask myself a few questions. And I try to do this throughout the day when I'm changing activities or something. So, uh, you know, some of the questions are, why am I doing this, whatever this is? Uh, Another question is, is this the best use of my time right now? And sometimes the answer is no. (laughs) Um, Is there a better way to do this, to, to be more efficient, to be more effective, whatever it might be? And the bigger picture question I try to make time to ask myself periodically is, is, and, and revisit is who do I want to be in the world? And is this that I'm doing is the way I'm spending my time and energy. Is this helping me be that person that I want to be in the world is, are the things that I'm doing with my time, my energy and my attention helping me be the kind of person I want to be in the world? Are they helping me create for myself and the people I love the kind of life that I want to create? And so that's kind of how I implement this. I try to uh, be more intentional about how I do certain things, to be more present. And that's a constant difficulty for me because I am the kind of person I always have been that I my mind's always going a million miles an hour and and it's either in the past somewhere, you know, regretting something I did or rethinking how I did something, or it's in the future about the next thing that's coming up. And so part of this advice for me of cultivating awareness and being intentional is learning to slow down my thinking a little bit and be, be present where I am. And this advice is, is a favorite for me because it helps move productivity for me beyond just getting stuff done, which is important, but it moves it beyond that to actually creating meaning and value in the life I live. So uh, that's why this little bit of productivity advice is so valuable to me and why it's a favorite for me. And finally, the fifth piece of uh, productivity advice that is a favorite of mine. And I think you hear me say it more than once uh, over, you know, over the years, if you've been listening very long, and that's do what works for you. And by that, I mean, take advice wherever you get it. We can learn from others, but we need to adapt it to what works for us. And we talked about this, I think recently, Um, we can learn from other people, So part of what doing what works for you is incorporating what I was just talking about, about awareness and intentionality. Learn from others, but don't measure yourself or your life by what you see in other people. And this really kind of came home to me recently. Uh, I was stuck in an airport for (laughs) almost, almost 12 hours earlier this week trying to get home from, from a trip I had gone on. And one of the things I did, I did some work while I sat in the airport. I chatted with other people who were in the same boat. But I also spent some time browsing through LinkedIn profiles. I don't check my LinkedIn uh, feed very often. I forget that it's there. It's not 
kind of my like number one social media source. But I happened to check it and kind of went down a rabbit hole. Um, there was a post by someone I went to law school with. And I was looking at her various friends. It, you know, when you're in LinkedIn, it will tell you who who your connections are and who your connections connections are. And this person is uh, somebody who has a lot of the same connections. She was a year ahead of me in law school, but she's friends with uh, or connected on LinkedIn with a number of people that I went to law school with, either in my class or in the class ahead of me. And as I scrolled through this and was looking at the the LinkedIn profiles of various law school classmates, I really started to feel bad about myself because they there's a an impressive lot of accomplishments among the 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 men and women that I went to law school with twenty some years ago. Uh, some of them are judges, state and federal. Some of them are practice group leaders at prestigious international law firms. Uh, several of them are general counsel and senior executives at uh, large international corporations or meaningful charitable organizations. Uh, a number of them have their own firm and um, have earned honors and accolades uh, in their practice of law. Others are, uh, one was, is uh, like counsel to certain federal agencies and one to Congress and so many more amazing uh, accomplishments. And I, as I read that, I began to feel less than. I started to feel like I'd squandered my education and the opportunities uh, that had been presented to me because of where I went to law school and like I hadn't done enough with my life. Now, fortunately, I've been around the block enough times that I realized what I was doing to myself. And I took a step back and said, you know what? I can celebrate their accomplishments without feeling bad about what I've done with my life because the life I have now is the result of choices I made with respect to my family and where I chose to live and a whole lot of other things. And there's nothing wrong with the life I have. In fact, it's better than I could have hoped for. I have so much more in my life than I could have imagined. Even when I was in law school, which I was already in my 30s when I started law school. So I say all that to say we can learn from them. I can celebrate their accomplishments and maybe, you know, learn some things from the things they write, uh, articles that they've published and things like that without measuring myself against them. And I encourage you to do the same. My life took a different path than some of them because of choices I made. I did what worked for me. And so I encourage you to do the same. Similarly, in, a, in sort of a more narrow focus on productivity kind of stuff, don't feel pressured to use a tool or technique just because, you know, quote, everybody else is doing it or because some productivity expert says it's the best. As we discussed on a recent episode, even the best technique or system doesn't work best for everybody all the time. And so we need to 
uh, we can learn all these things, but adapt them and do what works best for us. Similarly, with the tools that we use for productivity, the best tool, uh, there's no such thing as a single best tool. I don't believe there is. The best tool for a given task is the one you will actually use. And so do what works for you. So those are my sort of five for now, favorite uh, productivity advice that I wanted to share with you. And quickly, I'll share a few of my favorite productivity tools, uh, things that help me be productive in the way that I want to be. And number one for me is pen and paper. And that is number one on the list because I thought of it first, but also number one because it is my favorite productivity tool. And by that, I mean all kinds of different paper, legal pads, custom to-do list pads, notebooks of various types and sizes, or even just scratch paper. I love using paper. I like using good paper, but I'll use any paper. And I like to use good pens because it's a more pleasant experience for me. What I use it for is all kinds of things. The backdrop of this is if you've listened to this podcast for very long, you know I'm a techno geek. I love technology. I like my computer and my Apple devices and all of that, but I like pen and paper for a lot of things, list making, note taking, planning things, scratching out ideas. It's a favorite for me because it's convenient it's ubiquitous. Uh, There's always paper somewhere nearby, even if it's just the back of a receipt. It's simple and fast to use. There is no learning curve. And for me, for a lot of things, it's less intimidating because it feels less official than putting something into a, a, a digital device. And so for me, pen and paper is absolutely my favorite productivity tool. My second favorite, hard behind that one, is my digital calendar. And I do use a digital calendar for just for the portability of it. I use it for capturing all appointments, meetings, and time-specific activities, both professional and personal, as I mentioned earlier. I use it for sharing those things with other people. And I use it for blocking out time to focus on specific tasks. That's something I've been doing more of with my legal work when I have a lot of stuff that needs to get done and I want to make sure that I've carved out time to get it done. I will block out time on my calendar for that task, whether it's drafting a set of loan documents, reviewing something uh, that a client has sent to me to review, whatever it is, I make sure that I block it out to get it done. And my digital calendar is a favorite tool because of its flexibility. I can color code, for instance, the types of of appointments. So I have a different color for personal appointments or meetings than I do for professional ones and so on. I can also, with, with most digital calendar types of things, you can create a separate calendar for each of those areas. So one for your personal life, one for your professional life, for instance. And then it lets me view them individually or all together so I can see everything that I have going on. It's easy to have it with me everywhere I am because it's on my phone, it's on you know iPads, it's on my computers. And it's a favorite because it's so easy to share. So Mike and I share each other's digital calendars. So he can see mine, I can see his, and that's a great thing. So when when we have appointments or things that we're supposed to be at, 
we can see if I, you know, if somebody's asking, Hey, can you and Mike get together to do this thing on such and such a date? I can see his calendar to know if he's got something that he's committed to already. So the ease of sharing is why my digital calendar is such a favorite. Specifically right now, my current favorite digital calendar is, is called Fantastical. I'll put a link in it. I like it because it lets me see all my calendars. It, it's very easy to add things to it. And there, there are lots of good things about it. My personal and productive woman calendars are actually created v- via Apple calendars. I use almost all Apple devices. So that's what I've gravitated towards using when I created my digital calendars in the first place. A lot of people use um, Google Calendar, and that's fine too. My law firm calendar is in Outlook, but I can see all of them in Fantastical. So I can link all of those separate calendars into one place, and that's where I go uh, when I'm scheduling something. Uh, I can see everything personal, professional, what Mike's going on, and everything in one view. So that's what's working best for me right now. A third favorite productivity tool for me right now is Canva. And if you don't know, it's kind of a graphic design tool for people who aren't graphic designers. And I use it for uh, podcasts and social media images. I I work with that with my, uh, my virtual assistant who does the first cut on those things. I can use it for creating forms. You can do lots of different things, but those are kind of the main things that I use it for. It's a favorite for me because it's very easy to use and it has lots of templates, fonts, and graphic assets that you can use to help you create really nice looking projects, even when you're not very artistic and I am not, but it makes it very easy to do that. And I like it because there's a free version that anybody can use and we'll put links to all these things in the show notes in case you haven't tried it out. I, you know, you don't have to be a creative person to, to use Canva. There are lots of reasons why professional people might want to use it to create presentations and things like that. Uh, and the templates help you do that. And the free version is, is great. Lots of people just use that. And it has even more features for a relatively inexpensive annual subscription, which is what I use. Uh, my fourth Uh, favorite productivity tool right now and for a long time is my password manager. And specifically, I use LastPass. I've used it for 15 years, maybe. I don't know. I, I didn't go back to look when I first signed up for it, but I've had it forever. And what it does, what I use it for is kind of fourfold. I use it, first of all, to store all my passwords for every online account and app that I have. They're all in there. I can use it to create strong, secure passwords when I open a new account for some reason. And then I can use it to automatically log into those websites. And finally, you can securely store other sensitive information in LastPass in its what it calls the vault, uh, because it's very secure. What I love about it is the only password I need to remember is my LastPass password. And uh, that one is a very long, uh, complex password, but uh, it's 
one I have memorized. I don't have to know any of the other ones. And why it's a favorite for me, it allows me to be more secure online because I can have a a unique password for every account uh, that is strong and secure, and I don't have to remember those passwords. You know, we all live online. A lot of us have many different accounts, whether it's social media accounts, our banking accounts, any number of things. And the best practice for online security is to have a, a different password for every single account, every single app. And it should be a strong and secure one. That is, it, it should have multiple characters you know, 12 to 15 is actually best. And a mixture of, of numbers and uppercase, lowercase, and, and, and uh, symbols, not grammatical words. Uh, there are lots of, we've talked before about the various best practices, but those are hard to remember. And that's, it's actually a good thing that they're hard to remember, but using a password manager helps you be able to do that, to have a secure online life because you can do that. Another th- reason why LastPass is a favorite for me, uh, and I think some of the other password managers do this as well, but it has a feature that will alert me when I go to log into a, an account online, if uh, that account that company, whatever it is, has been the subject of a, of a hack, for instance, that might have compromised my account information or my password. So I can change my password to something new and uh, I can do that very quickly. And I appreciate that feature. They keep track of when, you know, big companies are getting, get hacked all the time. And LastPass and some of these other password managers track that and let you know if you might want to change your password. It's also a favorite for me because it lets me be more efficient online. I can do what I need to do more quickly and easily because it will automatically log me in. I don't have to go look up the password because it logs me in automatically. So LastPass or any password manager would be a, an absolutely essential productivity tool for me. Another one that I'm not going to dwell on, but I couldn't I couldn't not mention it. Another piece of software is Text Expander. I won't say much about it here because I've talked about it so much in prior episodes, but Text Expander really is an essential productivity tool for me. It saves me tons of time, both in my legal career and in my other online work, uh, time that I don't have to spend retyping or cutting and pasting the same material over and over again. I couldn't function without it. It really is a valuable tool for being productive in the work you do on the computer or online. Uh, The sixth one I have, this may sound kind of silly, but this really is one of my favorite productivity tools, and that is my cordless stick vacuum cleaner. (laughs) And what I use it for is obvious. I use it to vacuum my floors. But more than that. It is a favorite because it's very quick and easy and convenient to use. There's no cord getting in the way. Uh, It's lightweight. It hangs on the wall on the charger and I can quickly grab it 
which means I'm more likely to use it and, and keep my floors clean. It also comes with various attachments that I can use to clean furniture, baseboards, small spaces. Because it's lightweight and has these different attaches, you can, it's easy to, to um, vacuum things that are overhead. Like if you have heavy drapes, I've seen people use uh, one of these, you know, to vacuum those off, to clean those off. So I, I love the thing. I personally use a, a Dyson V10, I believe it is, which is a bit of an investment. Um, Dyson uh, vacuum cleaners are notoriously kind of pricey, but it's worth every penny because of the value I get from it. I ordered an extra filter for mine because the filters come off and can be washed. You wash them with water and then they it takes you know a half a day to dry. Uh, so I have an extra filter so I can keep using it uh, while the filter is drying. There are other brands and types of cordless stick vacuum cleaners. If you don't have one, I highly recommend you check it out. Whatever brand you want to get, they're, they're really good. And the last favorite productivity tool, I think was top of mind because I just came back from a, a long trip and it reminded me how much I love this thing. And these are my, what I call my go bags. I have one for technology and one for toiletries. And what I use them for is to keep travel necessities corralled and in one place and ready to go. So for instance, that my technology go bag has the chargers and cables, a special travel extension cord, certain adapters and, and things like that, that I need. Um, I, and I put my, um, cordless mouse in there when I travel uh, it holds all that stuff, whatever I need for my computer, my iPad, my phone, all that stuff goes into this, this, what I, you know, my technology go bag. Uh, for toiletries, same kind of thing. I have travel sizes of key items like shampoo, conditioner, moisturizer, body wash, face wash, all that sort of stuff. I use these bags for that. And I always double check and refill or restock them when I get back from a trip. So I came back from a trip. I was gone for a little more than a week. And as soon as I unpacked, I checked everything. I made sure I restocked and refilled the bottles. So it's ready to go the next time I need to pack. And I know it seemed, that may seem like a silly thing, but these are a favorite productivity tool for me because they make packing easier because they're already loaded and ready to go. So the the chargers and things that I have in my technology go bag are duplicates of what I have at home. So I don't have to go around the house and gather up chargers and cables and things like that. That this is this bag has the the ones I use just when I travel. So it's easier to pack and make sure I don't forget anything that I need. It keeps things organized while I'm on the trip. And all of that helps me to be more productive when I'm traveling. For whatever it's worth, my tech go bag is actually a freebie bag that I got with some Clinique stuff I bought several years ago. And why I like it is one, the whole uh, big side of it is clear so I can see what's in it when I need it. Because it was a freebie, I, you know, I can't link to it, but I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to something similar from Amazon that I think would serve the same purpose and that I would use if I didn't have this one that I already have. 
So those are seven, I guess, of my favorite productivity tools and five pieces of productivity advice that are are favorites of mine. There's lots of great productivity advice and tools out there. These are a few of my very favorite. They help me get things done that I need and want to do and help me make my own meaningfully productive life. If you're interested in those, I'll have links to as much of them as I can in the show notes. I'll also link in the show notes to a few articles in which other people share their favorite productivity advice or tools in case you want to learn a little bit more. But in the meantime, I'd love to know what you think. What is your favorite piece of productivity advice or your favorite productivity tool? Share those Um, with me and with all of us. You can do that in the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 406, or post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. If you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, you can share it there. Let's give each other some good recommendations to help us all make our life more productive. If you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can do that by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. I'd love to hear from you. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.